Peace to you. Thank you for joining me for the Naked Truth. We're going to pick up where we left off in um, the Old Testament. It's a weekday. It's Monday. And um, we're in a new book, folks. We're in the book of 2 Kings, uh, and we made it. To, we're going to begin with chapter 1. This would be the 18th book that we're covering now in our readings here on Naked Truth. We've um, gone over the tithe of the Bible first, you know, the six books that have any red letters and other things Jesus had to say. And now we're up to our 12th book um, of the Old Testament, as they're, as it's called. Um, so we're 30% of the way through the Bible, the entire Bible. Who knew? So let's begin now, if you want to read along with me. 2 Kings chapter 1, verse 1. Moab rebelled against Israel after the death of Ahab. So uh, Moab is another area, um, the Moabites in the region there. And it's saying now after Ahab, the king, passed away, um, the other country, uh, the Moabites, um, weren't cool with the nation anymore. Whether this is Israel it's talking about or talking about Judah, I'm not sure. So let's keep reading. Verse 2. Now Ahaziah fell through the lattice of his upper room in Samaria and was injured. So he sent messengers and said to them, Go inquire Baal's above, the god of Ekron, whether I shall recover from this injury. So we have uh, one of the kings has fallen through. Uh, had an accident at home, and I think of a piece like a fence or a gate, um, like you might have in a garden, the little crisscross design where the light shines through bits of it. Um, but apparently he fell through, and he's not inquiring to go uh, see what the Lord God has to say, whatever name you might want to give for the Lord God. Uh, at this point in that language, I suppose it would be. Uh, uh, Jehovah or a name similar to that or even El or um, some other name like that, Yah are all mentioned in the Old Testament whether they're all talking about the same entity or not, I don't know I don't, you know, I'm not scholarly enough to know that, I know there are all those different names and they're all in English called Lord as we've read again and again um, so here they're telling He's asking to go talk to Beelzebub. Um, that's the same Beelzebub that's inquired, uh, I'm sorry, referred to in the New Testament. It's just spelled a little differently. Uh, and that's who he's saying he wants to get word on how he's going to do from. Verse 3, but the angel of the Lord said to Elijah the Tishbite, Arise, go up to meet the messengers of the king of Samaria and say to them, is it because there's no God in Israel that you're going to inquire Beelzebub, the God of Akron? So um, now it seems one of the people who are led by God, or I'm just going to say the Lord, since it reads the Lord in English, and here it is being translated from the word Jehovah. Um, so I'm just going to say Lord, since that's what it says, um, has is in touch with Elijah again, the same Elijah we we, we talked about before and read about the one person in the entire Bible uh, who goes through reincarnation as John the Baptist, as Jesus himself uh, attests to in the New Testament. So Elijah is that one same person. So he's a huge figure in the entire Bible. He's um, being communicated with 
by the Lord. And again, it's just going to say it's the Lord because that's what it says. And being sent on a uh, holy mission, basically, like Blues Brothers, a mission from God to go and intercede in this situation to go um, to the king and let him know that he has a message from God. And the message is, there's no God around here that you need to go send to those other people's God and find out what's going on. So it's um, basically an appetizer to let us know God's not going to be pleased with him. God's not pleased with him and God's not going to react very well to uh, having to send a prophet to let the authorities know they're supposed to be a righteous nation. Verse 4, now therefore, um, the unrighteousness would be that they're consulting other religion, other gods, other entities. They're being unfaithful, idolatrous. Um, verse 4, now therefore, thus says the Lord, you shall not come down from the beds which you've gone up, and you shall surely die. So Elijah departed. So wow, what terrible news for the king. He slipped and fell and uh uh, it seems like an injury he could have survived, I guess, but he fell through a lattice. So I'm guessing he walked through that sort of uh, graded work network on the floor and fell through. It wasn't strong enough to support him, I'm guessing. Um, whatever the case may be, he's not surviving from it. And his um, desire just to seek uh, the information, the input from other entities other than the one deity of the, uh, I'll just say Jehovah, the Lord, uh, is going to cost him his life. He's been given the death penalty for his um, unfaithfulness. Um, and Elijah left. He said what he had to say, and he left. Verse 5, and when the messengers returned to him, he said to them, why have you come back? So now, um, who are the messengers returning to? Oh, I guess the, it was the um, messengers that Elijah interacted with, not the king himself. Verse 6, so they said to him, a man came up to meet us and said to us, go return to the king who sent you. Go return to the king who sent you and say to him, thus says the Lord, is it because there is no God in Israel that you're sending to inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Ekron? Therefore you shall not come down from the bed to which you've gone up but you shall surely die. So he's been, the bad news has been delivered to him by the messengers that Elijah gave it to. Verse seven, then he said to them, what kind of man was it who came up to meet you and told you these words? So the king's wondering, who gave you that terrible message? Verse eight, so they answered, he probably suspects who it was already. Verse eight, so they answered him, a hairy man wearing a leather belt around his waist and he said, it is Elijah the Tishbite. So just by the description of his outfit, the king's able to figure out that it's Elijah delivering the bad news uh, to his messengers. Um, and his description is similar to the description of, of all people, John the Baptist in the New Testament, who also wore a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. Locusts are bugs like grasshoppers, and wild honey was his diet. And he's the one, again, according to Jesus himself, that is Elijah, who was prophesied to uh, make an appearance in the, um, uh, before Christ comes. 
in the Old Testament and then makes that appearance in the New Testament, that same Elijah verse. Uh, and he, he's figured out that's who it is. Verse nine, then the king sent to him a captain of 50 and his, and his 50 men. So he went to him, he went up to him and there he was sitting on the top of a hill. And he spoke to him, man of God, the king has said, come down. So now um, the king has sent a troop after Elijah and summoned him to his presence. And there they've arrived to him and told him to bring his behind down. Verse 10. So Elijah answered and said to the captain of 50, if I'm a man of God, then let fire come down from heaven and consume me and your 50 men. And fire came down from heaven and consumed him and his 50. So Elijah used their own words against him in a prayer. They came in agreement with him unwittingly um, in his prayer. Remember, Jesus tells us in the Gospels where two or three are gathered together. In my name, I'm there in the midst of them. He's got, got them gathered together, not in Jesus' name, but he's got them together, gathered together, acknowledging that he is a man of God because that's how they greeted him. They greeted him recognizing he's a man of God. They could have just said, hey, Elijah, or whatever other name he may have been known by in that language. Um, but they didn't. They recognized he's a man of God. And he took that and ran with it and said, oh, yeah, well, if I am a man of God, then let my closeness to God pay off for me by your demise. And he was able to do that and call down fire from heaven, similar to the same way the book of Revelation claims uh, spirits, entities, powers that be in the end will be able to do. And although they read like they could be spiritual entities that can call down fire from heaven at the snap of a finger, in modern times, we know it doesn't take a spiritual religious power at all to do that. You can do that with technology now. Uh, through warfare, it's done that way. Through the, a few keystrokes, you can cause fire to come down from heaven, hit the earth and different targets on the earth and destroy people, buildings, uh, nations. It's being done. It's not science fiction. It's what's happening now. Um, so um, that could actually also be the same description that's talked about in Revelation. But while we're on the subject of the New Testament references, this reference of calling fire down and devouring the 50 men is the same reference that the disciples use in the Gospels when they ask Jesus after they're rejected during their ministry if that's how they should react. If they should, they ask Jesus if they should call fire down from heaven and have them consume them just like uh, Elijah did. Um, I think it's the book of Luke chapter 9, 55 and 56 where Jesus tells them, you do not know what manner of spirit you are of, for the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. So Jesus letting us know there again in his actions and in his words that retaliation is not the Christian way. Although uh, some religious teachers, most all of them, will say, yeah, you're entitled to do that uh, because the uh, human nature or um, law, human law, lets it be okay. And I'm not saying that I, it's not understandable why some would, someone would not want to um, 
use self-defense to save their um, lives if it came down to that. But I'm just saying, that's not what the Bible says. It's absolutely not what Jesus says. Jesus lets us know to turn the other cheek. And again, I know that's not necessarily easy, but it is what he, Jesus tells us to do. Verse 11, and he sent him another captain of 50 with his 50 men. And he answered and said to him, man of God, thus has the king said, come down quickly. So now the king isn't the one suffering the consequences of his decision. He's not suffering being singed or burnt or destroyed by the fire falling down from heaven. Uh, but the 50 men that he keeps sending are, they're at risk of it. The first 50 already paid the price, didn't stop him from sending another 50. That speaks to the same problem with uh, warfare in general and warmongers, their hypocrisy in general. People who are able to, are given the authority to uh, command war against wherever, whoever else should only be able to do so if they're even given the authority to do that. If they have skin in the game, literally, literally their own loved ones, their own backsides on the line um, and at risk of being lost during that war, then you know it truly is worth the fight. Otherwise, how can you really believe that if someone can just call shots from the safety from a safe distance while other people's lives are at risk of being taken. Here we have now a second set of 50 being sent on the same mission, and this time also summoning Elijah and telling him uh, to calm down, and this time not just saying come down, but come down quickly. So they're like, hey, we're not having it. Get with it, come down. How does Elijah react? Verse 12, so Elijah answered and said to them, if I'm a man of God, let fire come down from heaven and consume you and your 50 men. And the fire of God came down from heaven and consumed him and his 50. So just like that, with the same words, Elijah used the same incantation, same prayer, same words to God, uh, getting those 50 to agree that if he is a man of God, then let that pay off for him and devour them who are his pursuers, who are his enemies. And it worked. They also got ate up by the fire. Verse 13. Again, he sent a third captain of 50 with his 50 men. And the third captain of 50 went up and came and fell on his knees before Elijah and pleaded with him and said to a man of God, please let my life and the life of these 50 servants of yours be precious in your sight. So the third captain of 50 still sent uh, by someone who's at a safe distance from the danger, straight into the danger, has recognized the danger and isn't willing to just put his life on the line. He's going on the same mission, but approaching it differently. He's humbled himself, still recognizing that Elijah is a man of God and asking him to value his life. And then, and then verse 14, look, Fire has come down from heaven and burned up the first two captains of fifties with their fifties. But let my life now be precious in your sight. So now he's saying he's recognizing that 102 guys already died so far. The two troops of 50 and the two captains who led them are dead before him. He's like, but can we have a little different deal? He's recognizing your man of God. So can you please not just eat him up with the fire too? 
is his prayer, his request to the man of God. Verse 15, an angel of the Lord said to Elijah, go down with him. Do not be afraid of him. So he arose and went down with him to the king. Now, all of a sudden, we have this presence of the angel of the Lord and its angel. Uh, maybe capitalized to let us know it's uh, a message messenger directly from God Almighty. Um, now, we know it can't possibly be uh, God showing up physically, making a visible appearance, um, because that contradicts what the New Testament tells us about no one having seen God's form or heard God's voice. So there must be some intermediary. This angel has to be what's on the scene. And whether it's visible to those cap the captain and 50, uncertain. But he's now being given directives straight from above, it seems, by the angel that it's okay, go ahead and go with this. Verse 16, and he said to him, thus says the Lord, because you've sent messengers to inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Ekron, is it because there's no god in Israel to inquire of his, of his word? Therefore, you shall not come down from the bed to which you've gone up. You shall surely die. So now um, Elijah's gone. It's cost 102 men, people, their lives. But now Elijah has gone ahead and went with the next set, last set of 50 and their captain to deliver the message to the king. And the message didn't change. So it's not like he got so terrified along the way that he changed his message. His message stayed the same, that because he sought the wrong persons, and by person I mean entities, uh, help, it's going to cost him his life. He thinks that his slip and fall uh, will be temporary and he's going to recover for it. But now he's being told directly that it's not a rumor, just a rumor that he heard. It's a true rumor he heard. It's going to cost him his life. Verse 17, so Ahaziah died according to the word of the Lord, which Elijah had spoken. Because he had no son, Jehoram became king in his place. In the second year of Jehoram, the son of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah. So, okay, now we know the king that we were talking about previously was the king of Israel that passed away now um, because of his spiritual mistake. It's cost him his physical life. And now uh, we, uh, his son's taking over his place. And it so happens, it's just like we talked about previously, the names are often similar here. The name is exactly the same. There's a Jeroram now who's ascended to the throne. Now that Ahaziah has died uh, over the kingdom of Israel. But at the same time, the second year of the king named Jehoram um, has, is ruling over the kingdom of Judah, uh, sort of in the southern part of the region, um, in place of his father Jehoshaphat, who's gone on to glory, or at least passed on anyway. Uh, verse 18, now the rest of the acts of Ahaziah, which he did, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Israel? So um, the narrator here of the book of Second Kings is wrapping up his story of Ahaziah as this chapter wraps up, because that's the last verse, by letting us know the other actions of the king, um, not just this king, but we've read about others, but in this case, this king, they can be found in what we have in the Bible as 
the books known as the book of the Chron book of Chronicles, one and two, first first Chronicles, second Chronicles. That's a message for the previous president. When you see that one in front of the names in the Bible or um, the names of the books in the Bible, it just means first and second. That means there's more than one book with that same name in the Bible. Um, don't know what we don't know. So um, now we know um, that you can find out more about Ahaziah uh, and his reign in the book of Chronicles. And um, we can find out more what happens in the book of Second Kings with the kingdoms as they develop, uh, as we keep reading in the naked truth. And I hope you'll join me for it. Thank you for joining me this time. Stay safe. I love you and I appreciate you joining me. And I'll see you next time. God bless you and peace be with you. Peace be with you.